Welcome to the discussion, How COVID-19 Changed the Course of Digital Transformation, sponsored by KPMG. Here's today's moderator, Jason Miller. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Joe Klimovich, the Managing Director of the Federal CIO Advisory Practice at KPMG. Joe, always a pleasure to catch up and welcome to the program. Thanks, Jason. It's uh, very, glad, very glad to be here again with you. Thank you. Today, we're going to talk about the shifting priorities for agency chief information officers, specifically amid the coronavirus pandemic. Agency CIOs have uh, realized the importance not just of IT modernization, but all those pieces that make those efforts successful, such as cloud and hybrid cloud, and application and rationalization, and the use of technology business management framework to better understand the cost structures of IT. Now, my guest today, Joe Klimovich, has been the CIO. You've been in that position. You were at the Justice Department for six years. You were the vice chairman of the CIO Council for two years. You got to see firsthand how these priorities shifted and then how to adjust to those ever-shifting priorities and, of course, be successful. So let's just start with the beginning, Joe, because I think this is the most important question. What are those strategic imperatives CIOs are focusing on today, given the need for greater resilience, improved uh, and increased remote work, and and the ever-changing mission requirements? Thanks, uh, Jason. Um, I mean, look at the big picture. Uh, Digital technology today is ubiquitous. Uh, Digital collaboration is uh, woven into everyday life. Uh, Artificial intelligence, machine learning, they're available at your fingertips. And they're fueled by just staggering volumes of data uh, that are generated by billions of interconnected uh, devices. Uh, Most of those are mobile. But when you look at the pandemic, it has created uncertainties in service delivery, supply chain, and employee engagement. And taking all this into consideration, I really see five strategic imperatives for CIOs. The first is uh, manage IT as a business. Uh, Funds are, are always required for big transformations, but yet when you look at it, uh, roughly 80% of the federal IT spend goes to O&M. The other thing is making sure that you have accurate and good cost information for your services and products. TBM, as you mentioned, certainly can help in that area. Procurement spend optimization to include licensing and rationalizing applications, freeing up funds for for modernization. Um, I think moving uh, as much on-prem work to commercial cloud environments as you can is a good business investment, and then really taking a look at, hard look at uh, managed services. Everything is a service is being offered out there. Number two is automate at scale and embrace new technology. Automate everything uh, you can using low code or no code platforms. Um, you know, developing effective strategies to bring data and analytics and compute together. And don't overlook 5G, because 5G has the, the, the opportunity to, to really change a lot of the ways we uh, we communicate the way we uh, deliver services. Number three would be to simplify IT for consistent user experience. Now, Forrester did a, a survey of 700 plus executives in the May to July timeframe. And when you look at it, pre-pandemic, customer centricity was a, a key focus uh, for 80% of the organizations. But um, the pandemic is pushing customer centricity even higher and up the priority uh, uh, stack. Um, more than half the respondents of their accelerating initiatives around employee experience to better deliver value. Uh, this, these are key things. The, the UX, the CX are really important for, for corporations. To boil it down, it's make it simple, fast, uh, use natural language uh, queries, highly personalized, and making sure that your services learn over time. The fourth area I would say is protect your environment, protect your enterprise, but maintain agility. Um, look, your, your workforce is offsite. 
your IT should be offsite, should be in a cloud environment. And that creates uh, challenges for cybersecurity, but I think cybersecurity must change. No longer do we have the traditional network uh, defense. Um, and so that network, a traditional network defense doesn't allow you to take advantage of the agility that you see in cloud. Really need to, to evolve our, our security architecture to zero trust. Um, identity management becomes huge um, going forward and supply chain, both well from products, services, and, and companies, you take that in consideration. Last one is um, leverage data as a strategic asset. Uh, I always said when I was in the government that uh, uh, next to the workforce, uh, data was the most important asset that we had. I think a lot of this stuff can, everything else can really be reconstituted, but uh, you need to build a data strategy one that emphasizes the, the value proposition, the vision, guiding principles, and specific objectives, but create a data architecture that optimizes the value of your data across the enterprise. Build a data investment plan uh, or implementation plan with details, and you're gonna be uh, managing data across a, a hybrid cloud environment, and you can do that very effectively through data virtualization. Uh, so those are the really the, the key, five key imperatives uh, Jason, that I see they're out there for, for CIOs in the federal space. Joe, there's a lot to unpack there. Let me just offer, we'll go into one of those a little more in, in more detail. I want to go all the way back to number one, manage IT as a business. You, you mentioned the 80% uh, O&M versus DME, some, a number we've heard quite often. And uh, I always like to kind of poke our friends at OMB to remind them to put that back on the website because they, they for some reason, took it down. But I'm wondering if the pandemic is, is going to really shift that number for the first time in years. Would you say we're going to see that number shift closer to 70% or even 65% in some cases because of the urgency and the requirements needed to deal with the pandemic? There, um, there's a new category out there that uh, I think may be changing that, uh, and that's called provisioning. And that's uh, essentially the work that is being done in the cloud because you think about it, a cloud is a combination of O&M and, and DM&E. Uh, you'd like to believe that your cloud service providers are, are actually maintaining that environment, and they are. And so um, it's hard to break out, at least I could have a hard time how, before the provisioning category, how do I characterize my cloud spend? And OMB has created a, a, another third category called provisioning. And I think what you'll see there is that um, as we move more and more to the cloud, more more spend will actually occur in that provisioning category, and um, that will that that'll come out of the O&M. And I think every CIO out there has seen the the value that uh, cloud services and moving uh, cloud services to the cloud or moving services to the cloud has resulted in, or you know in the pandemic. I mean they've been able to support uh, remote users through uh, robust cloud services, scale those very quickly. Uh, I don't think you're gonna see the DM&E um, number change a whole lot. I mean, that's typically been 18 to 20%, and I think that's gonna stay there uh, for, for number, well, probably a number of years. Bring up cloud, that's another one of the areas that, that you talked about, moving as much as possible to the cloud, and then obviously the pieces and parts of that, the automation. Walk me through a little bit of the hybrid cloud strategy that we're seeing. A lot of agencies are going to have to remain on-prem. I know at Justice, you had that hybrid cloud strategy as well. Well, I think, um, look, a hybrid cloud environment, when I say hybrid cloud, I'm talking about on-prem, private, third-party cloud services. 
the bottom line on this is that that provides you the, the most flexibility and agility of any cloud solution out there. I think the hybrid cloud model is foundational to uh, achieve meaningful digital innovation. Uh, it's, an, it's, it's really an inevitable for any large enterprise. And I would say that uh, if CEOs are saying it's not happening or they're not going down that path because they want to be, um, they want to consolidate all of their cloud environment to, to one environment. Honestly, I mean, I think cl hybrid cloud is happening whether it's planned or not. I think it, it ideally is done with a management framework that's desirable, that's helping to facilitate the ideal implementation, but it allows you to go from idea to production at speed, at scale, gives you the greatest agility, flexibility, and resiliency. I mean, we would like to believe that all of the major cloud service providers are, are you know, they've, they've secured everything possible. But if the, by chance there's some, somebody has an issue, have been in different cloud environments, uh, gives you that resiliency that you wouldn't get being in only one cloud environment. I would say it also allows tailoring to fit a variety of needs within an organization it has uh, greater elasticity and on-demand provisioning. And, you know, Jason, in the past, um, if you wanted to operate on the data across, you know, across these different cloud platforms, you had to bring it together, build a data warehouse. Today, that's not so with, with cutting te edge technology, you know, data virtualization, you can operate with the, the data staying in its uh, cloud environment. So, there's really uh, no downside, all upside to operating in a hybrid cloud environment. And things, you know, services like containers, technologies like containers, those things have really pushed um, operating in a, in a hybrid cloud environment. And I think you're gonna see much more use of containers over and replacing virtual machines. The containers piece in the hybrid cloud also takes us back to another imperative, which is the low code, no code environment that you mentioned. Walk me through that. This is something I'm starting to see gain a little bit of traction or, or discussion in government. And I always like it when, you know, vendors are talking about it and then the government starts to catch up. We saw that with things like zero trust and you saw that with identity and access management. Is, is Are you starting to hear more, if you will, discussion from your uh, federal clients, from your federal partners about low code, no code? Oh, absolutely. It's one of the things that's uh, in the most demand right now is uh, low code, no code, uh, because everybody wants to go fast. And, uh, that is one of the, the, the fastest ways to uh, essentially automate. And I mentioned automate, automate. All these services, all these uh, functions that uh, you don't have staff to, to perform, nobody wants to perform, uh, um, there's a lot of repetition involved there. Uh, your information is, is pretty accurate. Um, those are great opportunities to, to automate uh, with uh, uh, low code, no code, um, you know, platforms. Uh, just to circle back a little bit, you know, virtual machines, they're still really popular and there's, there's obviously a place for those, but they operate with their own operating system, middleware applications. Essentially they are their own computers. Um, and you can have multiple VMs running on the same hardware. But when you look at containers, they're operate, you know, operating system specific and they're sharing the system's libraries. So they use less memory, um, they're, they're more modular, scalable, and they're used in conjunction with small independent processors processes, uh, that create microservices. And 
these microservices form complex applications. And when you look at it, they can be dropped in, these microservices can be dropped in containers and they can run in different cloud environments. So there's just a lot of advantages uh, to um, uh, hybrid cloud models, running containers to build microservices. Um, and these can support low code, no code kinds of autom automation. And it, in today's world, I mean, you have to go fast. Um, everybody's expecting that. And uh, the technology is out there to allow you to go incredibly fast. I think that's one of the things we saw with the pandemic specifically is the ability to go fast, the need to go fast, that sense of urgency that, you know, uh, when I've talked to others, you really don't see. And, and do you think that's what's driving a lot, a lot of these new imperatives? This, hey, we did this pretty well. We were very successful during the pandemic. How can we, I'm going to use it, lift and shift those processes, that experience into the future? Well, when you look at it, there's a lot of different uh, uh, ways to, to transform, right? I mean, um, the, I did a lot, when I was at Justice, I did a lot of um, lifting and shifting. I closed 100 data centers and, and saved a lot of money. But I think digital um, leaders are certainly investing heavily in the cloud, but lift and shift today is not, not enough. Um, when you think about the opportunities there, there's rehosting or lifting and shifting model. There's refactoring, which is minimal um, alteration of the application for the cloud. There's re-architecting, and that's taking these monolithic applications that maybe have been around for 20 or 30 years and re-architecting them according to, you know, using the microservices we were just talking about and containerizing them. Or you can uh, rebuild, uh, essentially write new code, and you would do this as a cloud-native application. You know, and then then replace. You could replace with a more nimble cloud-based solution. Uh, clearly, um, lifting and shifting gets you save, can save you a lot of money, but it doesn't give you the performance increase that you really need. So my take would be re-architecting at the very least or re rebuilding. I think, a lot of, I think a lot of agencies are starting to see and move in that direction. Joe, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversation. You're listening to the discussion, Modern Government, How COVID-19 Changed the Course of Digital Transformation, sponsored by KPMG on Federal News Network. Is your agency feeling the pressure to modernize? A new app isn't enough. Becoming modern requires rethinking the way you operate. At KPMG, we help agencies optimize their business functions, enable the workforce with digital platforms and tools, and protect critical assets from ever-changing threats. Meet current and future mission requirements by continuously improving and constantly adapting with KPMG by your side. To learn more, visit kpmg.com US federal. Welcome back. You're listening to the discussion, Modern Government, How COVID-19 Changed the Course of Digital Transformation, sponsored by KPMG on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Joe Klimovich, the Managing Director of the Federal CIO Advisory Practice at KPMG. Joe, we're talking a lot in the last segment about moving to the cloud, modernization, some of the imperatives that, that CIOs are facing. One of those big imperatives you mentioned was security, but with the flexibility and agility that you need, you can't just take it out. One of those reasons why you can have that ability and agility is because if you're in the hybrid or multi-cloud environment, walk me through that process of how to ensure security, but still the agility when you're in this multi-cloud environment. Sure, well, thanks, Jason. Um, certainly as more sensitive applications and regulated uh, workloads migrate to the cloud, uh, you know, the security mandates are really paramount. Um, 
I think it all starts with a cloud security assessment uh, strategy. Um, you know, assessing your your the current environment and then developing detailed, and I would say customized security risk and compliance roadmap. Um, you know, to to achieve the desired uh, business outcomes, and not all clouds are created equal. I mean, there's we were talking about a hybrid. There's public, commercial, uh, government. There's private. Uh, there's on-prem. There's many different flavors of clouds, and um, I also think, regardless, even if it's on-prem, you can't completely trust, should not completely trust uh, that cloud environment. Um, you should expect and design for compromise. Uh, hopefully, it'll never happen, but uh, you want to build that uh, trust into it as, and, and safeguards it as much as you can. Um, I think you need to take a holistic view of risk, um, but understand that Security in the cloud is a shared responsibility. There's obviously the cloud service provider. There's also the mission owner, the cloud reseller. A lot of times companies will say they have their own cloud environment and they, and they do, but it's actually in a uh, different uh, cloud environment. There's the app developer, um, there's the network. And then I think, you know, maybe people don't pay much attention to it, but there's the security operations center that's actually gonna monitor 24 by seven uh, your your workloads that are running in the cloud, I think um, you know they just the, the this environment needs to be architected, implemented, and operated uh, with all of the regulatory requirements in mind. I think engaging uh, your your cybersecurity compliance teams as early in the conversation as possible is a great uh, way to to uh, ensure that you don't have any issues down the road. You know traditional. Um, IT controls are still applicable in cloud-based services, um, but uh, you know you've you've got to look at the thing, the your environment holistically. I think we should try to automate as the compliance checking as to the maximum extent possible. Uh, that would include reporting, monitoring tools uh, can really help enforce uh, security policies that are um, maybe cloud providers uh, you know are not focusing in on because of the, the variety of applications that they're, they're supporting. Hybrid cloud management requires uh, uh, security capabilities around your, you know, managing your accounts and system configurations. One thing that's really important is access to raw uh, log data in real time. And I think looking at it from a lifecycle perspective is, is uh, incredibly important. And I'll just, I'll stop here, but I think you know, as we mentioned earlier, the, the notion of the perimeter is is really moot uh, once your um, organization moves from a traditional data center to the cloud. And I think we really need to evolve uh, from a static perimeter defense to a, a zero trust architecture. And it's great to see NIST come out with their publication uh, uh, 207 to really focus in on how do we build out a federal zero trust architecture but this is going to be incredibly important uh, as we, you know, figure out how to how to best secure our workloads in commercial cloud environments. I had an interesting conversation the other day, Joe, with a, a security person at one of the agencies, and and they made a funny comment about zero trust losing some of its sheen. You know, it was a shiny object for so long, but now agencies are starting to get it. From your perspective, give me a sense of of what goes into moving toward that zero trust architecture, that framework, because it's a lot of identity and access management that you and I have been talking about for 20 plus years now. No, sure, Jason. I mean, I think um, you still need defense in depth and, and 
Um, a lot of, when I talk to a number of CISAs, they're like, well, yeah, I'll, I'll get to zero trust eventually, but uh, right now I've got to protect everything. And you do. You need to protect endpoints, applications, network, the perimeter, remote uh, mobile access, and obviously your different cloud environments. And you, you just can't shut down your perimeter as you go to zero trust. You need a plan. And for me, zero trust includes strong identity management. That's very important. Um, you need to, to be able to collect the data at scale across your entire cloud uh, and your on-prem environment. Um, you need to collect it across users, applications, devices, infrastructure. Uh, Software-defined networks, I think, are key um, for zero trust. And then advanced analytics um, to, to protect those assets and data and services. And also need to build a cyberware uh, culture. The you know, enabling technology, secure authentication, uh, trusted key management, secure communications, encrypted databases, data provenance, and uh, a multi-party uh, computation. This is really encrypted analytics using homomorphic encryption, which it's a lot of words for basically saying you should never decrypt data, even if you're operating on it. There, with today's technology, no need to do that. And you know, and emphasize security at the development layers on the data uh, at system integration and obviously integrating user behavior in this. And I'll just stop with two different thoughts. You know, authentication is the new security boundary in the cloud. That authentication doesn't matter where you're coming in from. You, that needs to be really tight. Identity management, authentication. And encryption keys are the new passwords in the cloud. Um, you need to have a trusted uh, management of your encryption keys. But those are, those are things that are really paramount um, as we go forward. We've covered a lot of ground here. I want to continue the conversation, maybe move outside the pandemic imperatives. But are there other trends or challenges you're seeing CIOs are, are starting to face or face or continually face? Well, I think, um, you know, again, um, going back to this Forrester survey of uh, 700 executives, uh, Two-thirds of the leaders reported um, accelerating digital transformation strategies in the wake of the pandemic. You know, they're, they're really trying to drive, well, I'll say I think that they're trying to do the same thing I was trying to do in the government, which is drive information and technology solutions at the pace of American innovation. You don't want to have your, your business leadership uh, seeing things that are out there, and you're not, you don't have a strategy for taking advantage of those. So let me just hit hit you with a couple of principles and then some trends that I'm seeing in this you know technology world. Um, data centers. The government really needs to get out of the business of owning data centers. Uh, they don't scale. They're, they're costly. There's more efficient ways to do things. IT infrastructure. Reduce the complexity. Leverage uh, other solutions that are out there. The cloud provides a converged data analytics compute platform at scale. Cybersecurity, um, you know, you've got to build out cybersecurity, but should not impede the mission. I always like to try to figure ways I could build cyber so that users didn't actually uh, see it as an impediment. User-first philosophy, we mentioned earlier about UX and CX. It's got to be out there. Data-focused design, uh, how do we leverage data as a strategic asset? Innovation is, is key to create, uh, you know, rapidly creating value. I would say modernization does not equate to transformation. So uh, I love all the talk about modernization, but uh, transformation is actually more valuable than just modernization. Trends, 
Jason, uh, data optimization and virtualization. Um, you know, we collect a lot of government in the or a lot of data in the government, but um, maybe only use it once, and then it goes into uh, all you know stored someplace, but nobody ever knows it exists. Uh, so minimizing dark data, rapid software development. We mentioned low code, no code, uh, microservices, AI, machine learning. Um, we have to lower the barrier though to eventually to bring in these products in. Um, there's a lot of uh, still there's a lot of training that has to go into uh, bringing real artificial intelligence in. When you look at computing, there's neuromorphic, uh, serverless, no ops, edge, quantum, deep learning accelerators. There's uh, GPUs and TPUs, and I like to just refer to them as XPUs because they're specialized accelerators and processors for just about everything today. Communications, 5G, and convergence of a lot of different communications platforms. Some things that people are not talking much about is the convergence of uh, uh, bioscience with technology, power with data grids, um, the internet of bodies. The, you know, the internet of bodies is the human body connected to the network. Huge implications for security. And this is actually occurring today. Um, and I think you know, nanotechnology, it's gonna make that even easier. Um, and essentially the emergence of subatomic uh, capabilities. So that's a lot of information, but it's, uh, it's a lot to deal with if you're in a CIO's uh, position, a lot to protect. Joe, we got about less than a minute to go here in our conversation. I really enjoyed it. Give me maybe one opportunity or key enabler. I mean, CIOs, as you all well know, are never starting at zero. They're never at 100. What's the key enabler? What's the key opportunity? If you, if you would, if someone said, okay, Joe, I have all these things going on. What should I do first? Or, or how, how do I really get going to, to tackle all these imperatives you've just given me? Well, I think there's there's two imperatives. One is uh, move your workloads to the cloud. Um, by that very nature, uh, you'll understand better what you have because I think in a lot of government data centers, they don't, you know, I for one did not know what I had in a lot of those data centers. So you'll you'll be able to sort that out. And I think the the other thing is uh, the the workforce, right? I mean, um, it's it's huge. Um, but uh, both, uh, you know, there's a shortage of talent in this area. And I think that's one of the key reasons why um, modernization transformation uh, initiatives fail. I think um, if, you know, if you can pay extra attention to the workforce, I always look at uh, uh, taking care of the workforce. Uh, and, I, and I extend that to the industry workforce as well. Uh, they'll, they'll take care of you. There's a lot of accelerators, connectors that are already built out there. Try to take advantage of them. Uh, don't reinvent the wheel because uh, if you can leverage some, what somebody else has already done, uh, that will save you a lot of time uh, in that uh, you know modernization effort. So those would be some of the key key takeaways from uh, uh, how do you, how do you accelerate the IT modernization? Ton of great uh, information here, but I love you broke it down. Keep it simple. Move workers to the clouds. Take care of your workforce. Joe, this is, again, a fascinating conversation. I really do appreciate your time. So let me thank my guest. Joe Klimovich is the Managing Director of the Federal CIO Advisory Practice at KPMG. Joe, it's always great to catch up. Thanks, Jason. Great to be here. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the discussion, Modern Government, How COVID-19 Changed the Course of Digital Transformation, sponsored by KPMG on Federal News Network. Tune in next month for the next show in the Modern Government series. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search KPMG.
Thank you for listening to the discussion, How COVID-19 Changed the Course of Digital Transformation, sponsored by KPMG on Federal News Network.